Thank God. This is Pastor Adams, president and founder of Truth Matters Ministries in Atlanta. We're just so delighted that you've given us the opportunity to be host in attendance of this very vital ministry of contending for the faith that has once and for all been delivered unto the saints according to Jude 3. And we're just so thankful for those of you who've taken time to listen and to partake in the teachings and the examinations that we do here at Truth Matters. And today we're going to be teaching a very important topic on the truth about positive confession. But before we get into our teaching today, we want to make sure that we pause and pray. And Father, we thank you once again for life. We thank you, Lord God, that we have the privilege to come before you in your presence with exceeding joy. We thank you, Lord God, that you are our high priest. And you're not a high priest which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities, but you were tempted in all points like as we are. And we thank you, Lord God, that you allow us to come into the Holy of Holies today to give your name praise and give your name glory, to thank you for your kindness, your goodness. We even thank you for every trial. We thank you, Lord God, for every tribulation that we go through. We rejoice, Lord God, that we're even given the privilege of even suffering for your name's sake. We pray that someone's life will be touched, someone's life will be changed and transformed by listening to this podcast. Let someone who does not know you in the pardon of their sin, through the power of the Holy Spirit, let them be pricked. Let them be convicted of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Let their names be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. And we're so thankful today for all of our listeners, those who are in Qatar, those who are in Saudi Arabia. Thank God for those who are now listening in all Malta and throughout um, the regions of Africa and Ghana, those who are in Zimbabwe, those who are in Liberia. Thank God for those who are listening in Egypt, all throughout Europe and Ireland and the UK and Germany. Thank God for those who are listening in uh, the regions of the uh, Malta. Thank God for those who are listening in Australia, throughout New Zealand, Puerto Rico, those who are listening throughout all of South America and in Canada and these United States. We really count it a privilege. We pray for those who are in Korea. We pray for those who are in the Philippines. We love you, Brother Kimiel, in the Philippines. God bless your ministry. And today, we're going to be just getting into this message on the truth about confession. And my question today is, have you ever been taught or heard someone say that you can speak things into existence? Have you heard or been taught that what you say out of your mouth has creative ability? Well, at Truth Matters, we have examined so many teachers who espouse a teaching simply known as positive confession. Christian Ministry Got Answers states that positive confession is the practice of saying aloud what you want to happen with the expectation that God will make it a reality. See, it's popular among prosperity gospel adherents who claim that words have spiritual power and that if we speak aloud the right words with the right faith, we can gain riches and health and we can bind Satan and accomplish anything that we want in this life. To confess positively is to speak words that we believe or want to believe, thus making them reality. Now, this is opposed to negative confession, which to acknowledge hardship or to acknowledge poverty and illness and thus supposedly accept them 
and refuse the ease, the wealth, and the health that God has planned for us all. Now, there are several things wrong with this philosophy. The most dangerous is the belief that words have a kind of a spiritual, magical power that we can use to get what we want. See, this practice borrows not from biblical truths, but from a new age concept called what? The law of attraction that was made popular by the book called The Secret. It teaches that like attracts like. A positive statement or thought will draw a positive reaction is the misconception. See, everything is imbued with God's presence and power, not God as the omnipresent creator, but a little G-O-D in the Hindu pantheistic way. See, the net result is the idea that our words hold power to force God to give us what we want. Now, this is a very heretical belief and totally contrary to scripture. Additionally, the results attributed to positive confession are powered by the faith of the individual. Now, this leads to the, to the old belief that illness and poverty are a, a type of a punishment for sin. In this case, lack of faith. However, if we read John 9, 1 through verse 3, and we read the entire book of Job, it refutes this error very soundly. Now, truth matter sees in scripture carefree, perfect life is the antithesis of what Jesus said the Christian life would look like and what the actual lives that his followers really lived. Jesus didn't promise prosperity. He promised hardship, according to Matthew 8 and 20. He didn't promise that every want would be fulfilled. He promised that we'd have what we need, according to Philippians 4 and 19. He didn't promise peace in a family. He promised that families would have problems, as some choose to follow him and some didn't, according to Matthew 10, 34 and 36. And he didn't promise health. He promised to fulfill his plan for us and provide grace during life's trials, according to 2 Corinthians 12, 7 and 10. Another issue with positive confession is that although the confessions are understood to refer to things in the future, many of the statements are simply lies. Why do you, why do you call them lies, Pastor Adams? Well, certainly verbally affirming one's faith in God and the deliverance by the sacrifice of Jesus' blood on Calvary is good. But proclaiming, I always obey or positively confessing I'm wealthy is deceptive and possibly against the very will of God that we're trying to cling to. Especially disturbing are the confessions about other people while you're infringing upon their will or their human autonomy. God has given each of us the freedom to serve him or to rebel against him in our own individual ways. Now to claim otherwise is absolutely foolish. See, the Bible is very clear that negative confession does not necessarily negate God's blessing. The Psalms are filled with cries to God for deliverance. Just read Psalms 55 and 22 and read 1 Peter 5 and 7. They exhort us to follow an example. Even Jesus went before the Heavenly Father with a clear eye on the situation that he was in and also with a request for aid, according to Matthew 26 and 39. You see, the God of the Bible is not a cosmic Santa Claus. Read James 4, 1 through 3. He is a loving father who wants to be involved in his children's lives, through the good and through the bad. It is when we humble ourselves and ask for help that he gives us either 
release from the circumstance or strength to get through them. I'm reminded of the words of Inez Andrew in the song. She says, Lord, don't move the mountain, but just give me the strength to climb. Now, a few texts must be examined to isolate the error of positive confession theology. Truth matters exegeted biblical texts, namely Proverbs 18 and 21. Now listen to what it says. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, positive confession teachers have taught that this verse means that blessings and cursings will come into the life based upon what you speak or what you don't speak. But we at Truth Matters must say that accredited Hebrew scholars suggest that the verse is speaking of the ability of the tongue to bring pain or deception into the lives. You all know it's true. Words have the ability to uplift, right? Or they can condemn. They can break or bring life to one spirit. I'm sure that someone has said something to you in your life where it maybe lifted you up by what they said or it really broke you down by what they said. It does not mean that you can affect your destiny or your reality by what you say. Make sure that you put that in your crown, put that in your pipe and smoke it because that's the truth that you need to live by. Another verse is Proverbs 6 and 3. It says, you are snared by the words of your mouth. Now, positive confession teachings advocate that cursings Misfortune or hindrances can occur by having negative confessions. Now, this verse, Proverbs 6 and 2, outlines the neophytical and amateurish hermeneutical acumen that positive confession leaders possess. Positive confession teachers have neglected the practice and principles of hermeneutics, or they would not make such basic mistakes as this. See, this text has a historical implication that just cannot be missed. What is that implication, Pastor Adams? Well, 2,500 years ago, the use of notary republics and powers of attorneys were not existence. The old handshake and the words or promises that proceeded from the mouth of the individual, they were binding. Business transactions and the barter system only require a person to give a verbal commitment. It is this tradition that prompted Solomon to write, you are bound or committed by your verbal words. Snared by the words of your mouth means nothing more. See, positive confession teachers have built a theological construct on the premise, man's words create his reality. It is common to hear people polluted by positive confession doctrine declare, be careful what you say. You're gonna speak that thing into existence. I've heard people say this 500 times a week. They might get sick and they go around confessing, well, the doctor might say I'm sick or I may have got a, a, a positive COVID-19 result, but I'm healed by his stripes. I'm healed by his stripes. I'm healed by his stripes. I'm going to keep on confessing it. If I keep on confessing it, it's going to bring my healing. They'll get laid off their job and they'll start confessing. No, I'm employed. I confess I have a job. I've attended churches, especially one here in Atlanta, and I heard positive confession evangelists tell parishioners to go to the Lexus dealership and put their hands on a Lexus in the showroom and just start confessing and claiming it verbally by faith. Just say it. Just go in there and say, I claim this Lexus by faith and you're going to have it. But the sad fact is, positive confession teachers create a mystical, metaphysical world. Now, listen to me. With this 
within this world are veils, one that consists of things that are manifested, and the other world consists of veiled things that you desire. Now, by your confession or faith, you can bring into manifestation your desires or your dreams that may be veiled. By this concept, one lives in defeat or one lives in victory. See, so many people live stagnant and oblique lives, ever holding on to the baseless dreams that God never really promised them. In order to promulgate this deception, it causes positive confession teachers to mangle other biblical texts from their true meaning. Now, this occurs in Romans 4 and 17. In this text, Paul is giving an exposition on the consistency and the continuity of the Old Testament and the gospel concerning the doctrine of justification by faith. The context is speaking of God's method of justifying man by faith. But the positive confessors, they splinter the continuity of the passage of this passage and they interpret it to mean that Abraham could speak into existence things that are not as if they were. How many times have you heard on television or been at church or you listen to some positive uh, confessing evangelist or teacher say, well, you can just speak the things that are not as if they were. But a close review of this verse indicates something very important. What is that, Pastor Adams? It was God, not Abraham, who had the ability to speak that the things that were not tangibly evident as if they already existed. Abraham, who was considered the father of faith, because he practiced the father. See, the reason that he was called the father of faith is Abraham practiced the fundamental aspects of true faith. What is that? Believe and act upon what God has already said. Abraham did not arbitrarily start speaking life into Sarah's womb. He only trusted that the God who promised him a son, his word was reliable. And in the face of old age and with the absence of Viagra, God sent Sarah was having a baby. See, the positive confessors are wrong. They can't call the things that are not as if they were. What a travesty of followers of this doctrine practice calling tumors that are in their body to vanish. Further on, they neglect going to the doctor because they were told to hold on to their confession like Abraham did. If calling healing into existence does not occur, the consequences are devastating and worse than that, they're final. Why does Truth Matters take such a strong stand against these false teachings? Well, imagine if you bought a health insurance policy. The policy actually said that it only paid for one annual doctor visit, one annual physical exam. It only paid a maximum of $50,000 in benefits for the life of the policy. But the person who sold the policy to you told you it would pay an unlimited payments for hospitalization. Unlimited payments for prescriptions, emergency room visits, surgery, outpatient expenses, and disability payments. You don't really take time to study the policy for yourself. You just take their word for it. Then five years later, you contract cancer and you go to the hospital and they tell you that your outpatient visits are not covered. Your medications are not covered. 45 days of hospitalization that you incur, surgery to remove tumors and loss of work are not covered. You have an attorney look at the policy and it's true, you're not covered. You unfortunately incur medical bills of about $350,000 and you unfortunately lose your home, your savings and ability to get any future health insurance coverage. 
you experience relapses with the cancer and you have to continue to pay out of your pocket or you're going to die. See, the tragedy is, this is what happens spiritually when positive confession leaders erroneously teach that God promises what abilities you have. And when you encounter life's crisis and the alleged promises don't work, many end up paying with ruined lives and they begin to get uncertainty of God's word and his faithfulness. See, we must study for ourselves what is covered in God's word. We must study what God's will, his sovereignty and purpose and confirmed promises are provided in God's policy and provisions for us. Another scripture that positive confession teachers fracture is Matthew 16 and 19. They teach that Christians have the ability to bind and loose. But an exegetical survey of this verse reveals that as an apostle, Peter was given special calling to establish the foundations of the church. If you read Matthew 18, 18, it tells us something similar. Here it speaks of the apostles' authority in the area of church discipline. See, the crux of the teaching is their authority was only within the boundaries that God already had established. See, Jesus alluded to the verse in Isaiah 22, 22 that speaks of the authority of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and Jesus is the chief cornerstone, according to Ephesians 2 and 20. Peter was given apostolic ability to bind and loose what was already loosed in heaven. The church does not have an unrestricted power of attorney with God. Say it again, Pastor Adams. The church does not have an unrestricted power of attorney with God. Now, finally, on the subject of confession, positive confession adherents declare that Jesus cursed the fig tree and we can speak to our trees, meaning we can give a positive confession to our trees of life and have them wither. They refer to Mark 11, 22 and 23, where Jesus says, you can speak to the mountain and the mountains of your life will flee. Now, a contextual exegetical interpretation of the text is, Jesus saw a tree that was designed for providing life and nourishment to the world. The fruit of the figs on the fig tree are above all trees, has the ecological ability to support the entire cycle of life. It supports all life from the microscopic parasite to the largest land animal, the elephant. When Jesus saw the tree was not bearing fruit, he considered it totally worthless. See, it symbolically speaks of the nation of Israel and its fruitless condition and a warning to every individual who wears the name of Jesus Christ in the church who does not bear fruit, according to St. John 15. Far from providing us an example of unrestricted confessional authority, Jesus established the principle that if he speaks something and you believe what he says, God will likewise move mountains, wither trees, and any other act to honor your faith in what he said. It only reinforces Christ's focus on the essentials of his sovereignty and his authority. Now, let's, for demonstration purposes, perform an exercise. Now, I want everyone in my listening audience to shout out loud. I want you to take a deep breath, clear your throat. And I want you to shout out real loud. I want you to say, I am the President of the United States. Okay, go ahead and do it again. 
we want to make sure that it got out into the atmosphere. Go ahead and shout it out one more time, real loud. Now, I want you just to take a few minutes and go look in the mirror if, you, if you're near a mirror. I'm going to just sit here and wait for a minute. Now, if you did it and your name is not Joe Biden, it didn't work. Why didn't it work, Pastor Adams? See, the missing ingredient in the entire flawed concept is the sovereignty of God. See, the first rule of God's sovereignty is demonstration, demonstrated in the words of Dr. Walter Martin, who was the president of the Christian Research Institute. What was that first rule that he mentioned? I'm going to repeat it. He said, God don't have to do nothing God don't want to do. And rule two is similar. You can't make God do nothing by your faith or your confession. Now, I know that's poor grammar, but you know what? It's extremely true. Faith and confession was granted to man to allow him to respond to what God said. The dangers of positive confession far outweigh the benefits. All the advantages we've listed are psychological and somewhat physiological, not spiritual. The only spiritual benefit to be had is the fact that people who expect God to move are more likely to see God's hand in certain situations. But words are not magic. Our role with our Heavenly Father is to not to demand, but to ask for help and to trust Him and to realize that our blessings are not dependent upon the strength of our faith alone, but on the plan that He has within His power. You see, Satan is repackaging his old tactics. What are they? To deceive and entice mankind to operate within his pride, his ego, and his desire to make himself the center. Man being his own God, where man can control his destiny, where man and creation are supreme, not Jesus Christ or his will. Now today, this is the truth about positive confession. God bless you and you.